Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. A couple of things before we jump into today's episode. First off, uh, there was a patch that we did anticipate this week just based on the timing of patches, uh, but it has been uh, made known that that patch is delayed. Uh, They were testing it for release and expecting it to release, but they found some uh, other issues as part of that release that they didn't feel comfortable releasing. So uh, they kind of went back to the drawing board a little bit to work through some things before they can release it. You know, they say they hope to get out in the next you know, couple of weeks or month, uh, obviously not a specific timeline, but we will obviously cover that patch uh, when it comes, but it looks like it won't be coming uh, immediately uh, as we had anticipated previously. Uh, the other thing I wanted to go over really quick is the new season pass. Uh, this is the sword and shield season pass, uh, you know, referencing the organizations in the Marvel Universe, and the card that you unlock as part of the season pass is Nick Fury. Nick uh, is a five cost, seven power card with the ability on reveal, add three random six cost cards to your hand. Uh, very interesting, very unique. I I am interested to see, I guess, what, how people play with this card and what kind of decks they come up with. And uh, we will definitely kind of cover that and cover more about this season pass uh, in a future episode. So look forward to that. Uh, that all being said, and without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. Today we have a very interesting episode for you. Uh, something that we've talked a little bit on this podcast here and there has just come up, obviously, is... Uh, bots, matchmaking against bots, matchmaking against humans, uh, obviously strategizing around snapping, retreating. But we're going to take kind of an interesting spin on it today because today I am joined uh, by a, a player and lover of the game, uh, in-game name, uh, in-game username as Agent Carter. You may have uh, matched against them before. Uh, and Agent Carter potentially has the claim to most cubes that have been gained uh, a net gain of over 18,000 that is right 18,000 cubes thus far in the game and today we're going to talk a little bit about their experience with the game and uh just some of the things they've picked up kind of from their unique experience of playing almost entirely bots during the last several months so agent carter thank you for being here on the podcast thank you very much for having me yeah it's uh, my 98th day of snap today uh, so yeah, playing this game for roughly four hours a day, every day. I took a holiday actually of, a week ago, but uh, other than that, playing a lot of games of Snap. I've played 7,000 games, as you say. I've gained over 18,000 cubes during that time. Uh, I'd have done that uh, with a 70% win rate, and that's mainly because I've played an awful lot of bots. I've been matched against bots, and I've played and beaten a lot of bots. So that's my area of expertise. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so very, yeah, it's a very interesting area to, to kind of discuss. So there's, there's several topics I think we're hoping to discuss. I'll just kind of outline. We're going to talk about matchmaking. We're going to talk about how bots play, how to recognize them, uh, you know, how you kind of play into the bluffing and retreating mechanic with bots, etc. So um, 
I'll kind of set the stage a little bit more, you know, for new players out there, if you're listening to this, normally when you, uh, at least how it's set up now, when you create an account and you go through the uh, kind of the introduction to the game, until you reach rank 40, uh, you're playing basically exclusively bots. But then once you uh, go beyond that point, you can play human players. Now, uh, who you match against is determined by your collection level, your rank level, and your MMR. Um, and so uh, it kind of takes into account a lot of things, your win-loss record, etc. And for people that, uh, you know, kind of have a really, really high win rate uh, or some other things, uh, basically the, the game algorithm will match you against Baltimore. And I think that's what's happened to you, Agent Carter, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I think it's also interesting to know. I mean, I was listening to a cube rush this week, and that's full of lots of expert snap players. And it was interesting to overhear that they were saying that they, they don't like playing against bots because they lose more to bots. Uh, and I think part of the reason of this is obviously, I think, well, maybe not obviously, but people are beginning to realize that bots cheat to a certain extent. Um, and I think this is, uh, there's a general perception that bots are really hard to beat because of this. And they do have an unfair advantage, that's true. Uh, but they also are very predictable and they don't tend to run the best decks. Uh, so hopefully what I can uh, draw out today is just a few uh, strategies to, to help help other players who are struggling to climb uh, because of the bots, uh, help, to, help, help to beat them. Yeah. Well, let's start there. Let's start there with um, kind of the, uh, you know, how well, I wonder if the, 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 Well, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I wonder if one of the best places to start is actually just how to recognize the bots, right? That is... Uh, uh, that's honestly where my brain was going. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, no, those were the t- the top two. So let's we can definitely start there. So how do you how do you recognize a bot? Okay, so there's a few indicators. I I would say there's no uh, hard and fast way. There's no way to know that you're playing the bot with certainty. And this is because there are actually a few players, a few sneaky players, I think, who are masquerading as bots. That's quite rare. So essentially, they're 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 playing in a similar style and in a, and using similar avatars, etc., to bots. Uh, but most of, so so it's hard to know for certain. But there are a few things where you can be reasonably sure that you're playing a bot. So uh, the first indicator is that they only use one of a dozen or so uh, of the default avatars. So these are like the avatars that you start the game with. Uh, if you see somebody who is playing with an avatar that you have to unlock, that's pr- almost certainly a human. Uh, but uh, if they're just a default avatar, then they might be a bot. The other big giveaway uh, is, and this has become easier to spot uh, since the intros have changed. Remember, they now show you the card back uh, mm. when you start the game? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the bots always use that default purple snap card back. Now, of course, players can use that too. But if you see a player using this purple snap card back, it's a reasonable chance as a bot. Um, the other way is that they often use quite predictable names. Uh, so you'll recognize things like adjective noun, like, I don't know, uh, triumphant trombone. Um, Suspicious orange or, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but they also sometimes use uh, first names. So I think there's different pools that uh, bot names are generated from. So they might just go by George or Sarah. Uh, so, if you, um, so if you see something like this, reasonable chance it's a bot. Um, 
Then there's sort of more subtle things to do with how they play. So bots play relatively quickly compared to humans. You'll end your turn and the bot will have decided within half a second or so uh, what they're going to do, whereas a human might not, uh, might, might take a bit more time. Uh, a big indicator is that they only use pool three cards. Uh, sorry, sorry, that's completely wrong. They, the opposite of that. They never use pool three cards. Um, so if you see any pull through card uh, in their starting deck, uh, it's not a bot. There are some exceptions to this, though, because uh, uh, Agent 13 is one of the most common cards that a bot can run, and that can generate a pull through card, uh, similarly the hub and, and things like that. So it, so they can have pull through cards in their deck, but they're not going to start with them in their deck. Um, there's a number of other cards they never use, such as Misty Knight, Shocker, Cyclops, The Thing, and Abomination. Uh, they don't use Killmonger or Sandman, uh, those two cards that got added to Pool 2 later in the game. Uh, they never remote. Um, they're also the only players that can use that Inkify uh, a variant, uh, not variant, yep. uh, spit effect. Yep. Um, and uh, the other thing is uh, you can sometimes tell by the rarity of their cards. So the rarity of bot cards are determined by your collection level. So at the minute, every game I play against a bot, the bot has precisely one epic card, one legendary card, five ultra cards, and five infinite cards. So if I see a blue uh, rare card, I know it's not a bot. Um, so uh, they're the main ways. Uh, the other, the other uh, thing you can't do during the game, but you can check afterwards, is if you're looking in the log files, their deck is always called deck. Uh, so it's a big giveaway after the game is finished if you're if you're checking the logs. Interesting. Uh, well, there's some of those I knew, right? Uh, I think the Inkify one that you know everybody kind of has uh, that, that's become very clear because everybody says, "How do I get this?" Developers and they say, "Oh." You can't. Those are it's bots, coming soon, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but some of those I didn't. I didn't uh, know. One, I, I swear. Again, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to experiences where I'm, I'm making an assumption that maybe this is a bot, maybe it's not. Sure. sure. And uh, I'm thinking they, they can use pool three cards. But then when you, you say these things, and I start to kind of put some of the pieces together, it's, oh yeah, uh, there, there aren't. Right, and that's that's so weird to realize. Um, and obviously, that may change in the future. Um, that is a really good point about changes, unlike other patch changes. Uh, yeah. I don't think we're going to see uh, indicators in the patch when the bots change their behavior. It's not something that I imagine Second Dinner will really talk about. So anything we say today might not be relevant next week. Uh, yeah, this is this is how it how it world looks to me right now. Um, yeah, no, very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, you also said one thing I think is funny, um, people trying to impersonate bots, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, I definitely did that. I mean, mine, this is before everybody figured out the naming convention. Sure. But my, my name that I put in the game was test one, two, three. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I kept a default avatar sure. and, uh, this is before the card backs were shown, but I kept a default avatar and then I, I, I played the game and then people, would just spam uh like hello like the kind of things you do to kind of see like is the bot gonna respond because another thing is bots will not uh send not little, they won't send the messages in game right yeah yeah and so it was just really funny because people would think and i'd like message some people afterwards that i like recognize <laughs> and stuff and be like they're like no way i thought you were a bot 
Um, and, and it's uh, a good you know, strategy, right? Because people play differently yeah. against bots. Yeah, so yeah, they'd kind of like send hello like yeah. five or six times, then they'd snap, right? They'd be yeah. like, oh, I'm playing a bot. I can, I can and snap. And that was especially true, I think, in the early game, because I think early bots are playing more randomly than the yeah. bots that we're really going to focus on today. But um, And so masker you can make your opponent believe you're a weaker player that back in the early early days by pretending to be a bot yeah uh, but then i got tired of um sure not, of <laughs> having the the boring avatar so that uh that definitely kind of gave it away <laughs> and uh uh yeah i i respond to people's messages now so yeah okay well well very interesting um let's dive into the next topic which is you know how do bots cheat i mean i think a lot of people have yeah. heard this i've seen People post about this in Discord, post about it on Twitter. Oh, bots cheat. Uh, it's unfair, yada, yada, yada. You know, um, how do they cheat? Okay. So the first thing to recognize is that not all bots cheat. So particularly if you're playing in the game, you know, first 40 levels, you're not playing against a cheating bot. Chances are you're playing against a bot that is basically choosing cards randomly and playing them down. Uh even at the higher levels, the bots don't seem to cheat every single game, but they have a play style which, oh, well, sorry, which I think, sorry, they're, they're cheating every single game, but then perhaps not taking full advantage of that. So the way that they cheat is they uh, they can see specifically, um, it's like they're playing with a permanent daredevil effect. So you play a card onto the board and they're going to take account of what you've just played uh, before they choose their own play. And so the way that I think they do this is they're just evaluating uh, how much power your play is put on the board. And they're going through all their possible plays and they're just sort of looking at the board state at the end of that turn. And then they're trying to maximize some value to do with um, trying to win as many lanes as possible and then a tiebreaker on, on total power or, some, or something like that. Um, and so um, this is why um, if you play a very control-focused deck, you, you put down your Professor X, for example, the bot's going to know uh, how much power you've put down, and they can play around this because they, they're trying to beat you on all the lanes given, given how much power you've put down. But I think the common misconception is that they are doing more than this. I, I don't think they're... They're not... Um, they're not generating the perfect card when they're playing the Agent 13s or the Hub. They're, they're, not, they're not cheating the RNG like that. But they are slightly clair, clairvoyant in, because when they're evaluating the states of what every possible move is going to result in at the end of that turn, they do take into account what the RNG rules are going to be. So, for example, in Danger Room, you might notice that bots very rarely have things destroyed. Now, this isn't because they're manipulating the RNG explicitly, but they're just, they know that, that if they play something, they know when, that if they play a card in the Danger Room, it's going to explode. And so they just avoid that. So they'll only play into the Danger Room, usually, uh, when they know something won't explode there's a few technicalities about uh, situations where they might play in the danger room anyway. I think specifically if it will manipulate the RNG seed in such a way that a later role is going to be more favorable for them, but that, that's quite nuanced. But as a general rule, they're not just generating the perfect cards on the fly. I think there's a lot of misconceptions that bots are, you know, they're waiting to, to, to see your play and then they're just changing their hands uh, to have the perfect hand against you. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, very interesting. Um, you know, uh, I think 
Um, yeah, uh, like like you've said, I think a lot of people have said uh, this is a, this is unfair. How could I beat this? Yeah. Right. Um, but again, um, you know, there there are ways to play around this because there are ways. Uh, I don't think that bots can fully understand all of the effects that will happen on something that maybe a card is going to do later. Right. Indeed. They're very greedy. They're very focused on what's going to be the outcome at the end of this turn exactly. rather than the potential benefits. I think the people you're talking about who are complaining that, you know, this is unfair, they're right. This is unfair. They do. The bots do have this unfair advantage, but it is beatable. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. Um, you know, you kind of already uh, gone into some of their blind spots, but um, you know, one of the things we want to talk about is the fact that bots are kind of terrible at snapping and retreating. Sure, right? sure. So let's 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 talk about that. Okay, so it's sort of hard to predict when a bot is going to snap or retreat. Um, so there's uh, how how comfortable, by the way, are you uh, with me talking about some data mine stuff on this podcast? I can. Uh, very comfortable. Yep. Uh, okay, I mean. Fine. We'll say this is a warning. So if anybody who's listening, if you don't want to know spoilers or things that maybe aren't generally known to everyone, then uh, maybe uh, skip ahead or uh, just, you know, don't listen to the rest of this episode, but you can go sure. ahead. Yeah, I mean, this isn't really going to be spoilers as such, just a bit of the nuts and bolts about precisely how, how things work. So I think um, those who've uh, looked at the, uh, the code uh, and know how to do that, uh, have discovered that there's sort of a couple of variables that determine uh, whether a bot is likely to snap or retreat. So they have uh, these uh, possible settings. Bot can be set to the do nothing mode or the passive mode or standard, aggressive, combative, or extreme. Uh, for retreating, they can be set to do nothing, oblivious, standard, or flighty. Now, we don't know precisely uh, how uh, they choose what mode they're going to be in for any given game. I suspect there's an element of randomness, given the observations I've had at length. But as a general rule, compared to humans and compared to what I might consider optimal snap play, uh, they don't tend to retreat very much. Uh, so when I've been playing bots, less than 10% of the time they have uh, retreated. And I've, I've had games where even when they've completely filled their lane, even when they're losing and have no possible way of winning, even when I snap against them, they'll stay in. Now, they won't always, but it's just to emphasize that there's a, there's a very low probability that they're going to retreat. So I claim if you're playing a bot, you should exploit this. Hey all, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and deck lists for all level players and all collection level players. Make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. So when bots uh, snap, or when they're thinking about snapping, it's also a fairly simple process for them. 
they are looking at if they're just evaluating if they're winning. Now, obviously, there's these different different snapping profiles that they could have, but as a general rule, if you want to uh, you want to be looking to bait a snap uh, from the bot, and to do this, it's all about making sure that you stay at a lower power than them. So any decks which can play power late are great against bots because they can bait this snap from them. Uh, so I play a lot of uh, discard games and I use Dracula. Because Dracula is a full power card, uh, uh, sorry, uh, full cost card uh, with zero power. So they're evaluating this as being worth nothing uh, during the on turn five, for example. I think it's worth nothing. Uh, but uh, by turn six, it suddenly grows because you discard an apocalypse. Yeah, uh, and they they uh, as, as we kind of stated earlier, right? They can't really know the the full effects of that at the time. They're to them, it's wow, you know, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's playing zero power and taking up a spot on his board. I Absolutely. my chances of winning have increased, you know, by yeah. x fold, right? Now, in turn six, they understand that they're looking ahead and they see, oh, right, this Dracula is actually going to be worth 20 power or whatever it is. But it's on turn five when they're making that stat decision uh, that you want to be uh, low rolling, uh, presenting a lower number than you actually have. Now, Dracula is not the only way to go. I mean, Sarah decks, where you you know, you know play a Sarah on five and then you're doing your miracle turn on six, are great as well for provoking a snap. There's lots yeah, of ways I think it's interesting because, you know, we've talked a lot about snapping and the, the art of snapping, the strategy of snapping. And when you're playing a human player, right, uh, you kind of want to do the opposite of what you've said, right? In some ways. Yeah, this because is terrible advice for playing a human. Yeah, because with a human, if you snap on five or six, they're saying, whoa, 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 they're going to do something that. Uh, yeah. You know, if you're, if you're being snapped against, you're saying, oh, they're going to win or they know something I don't or they're going to play something down or they they drew the card they need the card they needed. Right. And so you're going to retreat. Right. Absolutely. Um, so with with humans, you want to try to go earlier if you can, you know, turn three, turn four, because then the person may say, well, I can stay in. I, I may still win. Um, but with bots, uh, very interesting. It kind of flips like you're saying. So you kind of have to. Uh, be able to play both strategies, and that's that's why this, some of these identifiers of that you're playing a bot are really important because absolutely it allows you to win cubes, uh, kind of maximize your cube wins in both scenarios. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah. So very interesting. Um, so I'd love to talk more about uh, bot decks, and you know, you you said at the beginning. Um, you know, I think we've all kind of felt it, but maybe we haven't analyzed it very closely. Uh, bots seem to use kind of uh, only a certain set of decks or kind of archetypes or strategies yeah. um, when they're playing. So maybe let's talk through what some of those are. Okay. So I think this is where my real area of expertise compared to a lot of the community comes in. I've done a lot of work to analyze precisely what these bot decks are. Now, the developers tell us that every bot deck is handcrafted. Uh, that might be true, but I think there's essentially 10 different archetypes. And within these archetypes, uh, they tend to play a lot of common cards. Um, so if you can recognize which archetype you're playing, you have a huge advantage, right? Because you can predict what other cards are going to play. So, 
the ten, ten archetypes are. There's a discard that we play a lot. So this always runs Blade, Wolverine, Lady Sith, Swordmaster, Strong Guy, and Apocalypse. But the other cards, there's a bit more variety. Uh, there's a non reveal deck, which is your classic White Tiger. There's a Destruction deck, which has about eight cards in common every time it comes up. It's worth learning what, what these eight cards are. Um, I should say I have a spreadsheet uh, with all of this information in, which I don't know where it might be appropriate to link this with the podcast at some point. Yeah, yeah, we definitely we can share it out on the socials. Cool. Um, there's the move deck, uh, which uh, is always running your Heimdall and your Vulture. Uh, but also it's worth knowing that although it doesn't always run it, it has an iron heart. So 80% of the time it's also running an iron heart, and that can surprise people in the move deck. Uh, the sort of a classic zoo deck, which runs your Angela, Bishop, Kazar, and often runs a blue marvel. So it's worth knowing that if you sort of see Angela, Bishop, Kazar, maybe a blue marvel's coming. Uh, there's a sort of collector focus deck, which runs uh, no six drops at all. It sort of runs uh, White Cream, Moon Girl, uh, and the Collector, and things like Cable and Sentinel. And it's sort of designed to put power into the Collector. One, uh, two of the most common types of decks are your ongoing decks. Uh, about half of them run Onslaught, half of them run Spectral. And this is one of the trickiest uh, tactical decisions uh, when playing against a bot, is to try and predict, is it going to play an Onslaught on six, or is it going to play a Spectral? Um, so there's, there's some indicators uh, of cards that are going to might pay for, you know, if it's going to be an onslaught, it's going to be a spectrum. There's also a very weird deck, uh, which actually runs two six drops. Uh, and this one is really telegraphed uh, because it always runs silver or dominant. And then it mm -hmm. runs like a bridge, it can pull the infinite. Uh, but then it runs Odin and uh, another six drop. This is the only deck that you'll ever see that runs two six drops. So that's worth knowing, right? That it, uh, you're never going to see more than one six drop unless it's precisely this Quicksilver Domino uh, weird deck. Now, the advantage of uh, learning these archetypes is you can record uh, and you can use this. And this is predictive power. So I've got lots of stats. Um, some of them aren't going to surprise anybody. If you see a white tiger, not play a white tiger, there's a 94% chance it's going to play an Odin. If you see an iron fist, there's a 92% chance it's going to play a Heimdall. But there's other stats, such as if you see a Colossus, there's an 80% chance you're going to see a you're going to, it's going to play a Mr. Fantastic, or it's going to have a Mr. Fantastic in its deck. Or if you see a Watu, there's a 55% chance it has a hot problem. So I've got lots of these stats, which have uh, a lot of predictive power. So that when I'm playing a game, uh, if I see a card, I can just flag up on myself, what else is it like to play? And if you can predict what you've got to play, then you can play around those predictions. Yeah, that that is very fascinating. Um uh, like you said, I think I have mentally tried to capture this data, but there's just so much, right? 
And I've played lots around. I've played lots of Marvel Snap, but uh, without recording it, sometimes I still get tripped up, right? Because I forget, oh, uh, like you say, the Ironheart thing, right? Indeed. Uh, the Ironheart in the uh, on reveal deck, right? Or I think, no, no, sorry, it was the move deck. Um, yeah. You know, uh, that's not something you see coming, but if you pay attention to the patterns, you will recognize it's coming, which yeah, is uh, infinitely more helpful, right? Yeah, um, it gives you an edge. Yeah, against so very pitches. interesting. Uh, one thing I did want to state that I, I think we forgot to mention earlier, um, you know, more and more people are getting variants, obviously, but not always, but often the bots have, uh, like you say, kind of higher upgraded cards depending on your collection level, but sure. also they often have a lot of variants in their deck, right? That is a good observation. Yeah, I don't have stats on that, but uh, I believe you're correct. They they tend to run a lot of the variant cards, so another yeah. indicator. Because one of the decks you were describing, the discard deck with Wolverine and yeah. uh, um, Lady Sif, etc. You know uh, that deck. Almost every time I get, I play against it, uh, you know, almost every card in that deck is a variant. Right. Yeah, um, and I think that might be something to do with your collection level too. I imagine oh, it's generated based on your collection level. The, the, the higher your collection level, I think, may perhaps the higher the likelihood that they have variants or rare cards. Yeah, that would be interesting uh, to see, but that that would make sense because that seems how a lot of these things scale, right? Sure. It is yeah. with the collection level. Well, awesome. So now we understand a little bit better about the decks, and uh, we'll make sure to to help get that uh, spreadsheet shared. And I think a lot of people can learn from that. I mean, I, I can learn from that, right? Uh, again, uh, you know, one of my downfalls is just sometimes not remembering some of these nuanced details. Um, I'd love to talk about you. You kind of alluded to it a little bit of some of the cards that play well against bots, such as Dracula, Sarah. But uh, I'd love to just talk more about that, uh, designing decks to beat bots. And you know, yeah. is that something that's worth doing, uh, you know, if that's what you're designing around? Sure. So I think for me, because I'm playing at the minute about 90% uh, bots, it's definitely worth me building a deck to beat the bots. But every player should make this decision themselves uh, based on what they're playing. If you're not playing a lot of bots, it's better to focus on building a deck to play humans. But if you're trying to climb uh, and you're perhaps struggling against some of the bots, um, then and you're playing a lot of bots, then it can definitely be worth focusing uh, uh, your deck design around uh, what's good against bots. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, we've alluded to this uh, play decks which uh, run, uh, which can play power light. Those decks are often do reasonably well against humans too. But there's a few subtleties which we haven't really touched upon about precisely how the decks play. So for example, uh, precisely, how, sorry, precisely how the bots play. So for example, um, bots have a very strong aversion to fill a lane before turn five. And so you can exploit this a bit by playing a green goblin, for example. Uh, so often I will see on turn four, a bot will have three cards in a lane. And even though it's cheating, there's something that's overriding its logic to say, actually, I don't want to fill this lane. And so it won't fill a three card lane itself, allowing you to just put a green goblin in there for it. Um, and a green goblin is perhaps not a card that I would run against a human, but it is a powerful tech card against a goblin. Um, whether that's worth playing is just, just a function of what percentage of games you play 
against false false tunes. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I have noticed that. Right. Of uh, obviously, a human uh, may be willing to fill up a part of their board uh, at any point in the game. Then it makes sense for them, right? But a bot, sometimes I'm like, really? You didn't play there yet? You know? Which uh, is surprising, given that they're che- they're often cheating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like you say, maybe there's some other piece of the bot AI logic where it's, hey, I want to keep my options open until until closer to the end of the game, right? Yeah, I think as a rough rule of thumb, it's just that they don't want to fill lanes uh, unless it's like the last couple of turns of the game. Yeah, there are Very a few exceptions, but uh, for example, they will play a death lock into. Uh, lane, but they're evaluating that after they do that, they're still going to have fewer than four cards in that lane. Yeah. So, I mean, like, theoretically, uh, I mean, whether this is the best card to play in this in this instance or not, like, if you had a wave in uh, Professor X mm-hmm. in, your, in your deck, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you know that you're kind of ahead in power by turn four, and you're able to get Professor X played down a turn early, I mean, that could also be to your advantage, it sounds like. Uh, it's, yeah, I hadn't really considered that. Uh, you'd have to to get. You'd have to be up in power, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like. Is, is, how much does wave cost? Uh, wave is a three cost, three power three, card. Yeah, yeah. So that then, yep. So you'd be able to play the five cost Professor X to turn early, but obviously that's only six power by itself. So you would have to be uh, yeah. probably have a third card there already, a uh, third or fourth card there already that allows you to have enough power to win the location yeah i should say i haven't tested that interaction but it sounds that certainly sounds plausible uh and yeah encourage people to experiment with things like that against bots because yeah finding these capabilities definitely requires a little more setup than something like you say a green goblin kind of taking advantage of them not wanting to fill until late right because that's a single card that can be played on turn three right yeah um so definitely uh at least by turn three but also later so sure I mean, you probably noticed that they don't play uh, into Dark Dimension once that's revealed until the end of the game as well. Uh, yeah. And uh, and that's because they're evaluating what happens if I play into Dark Dimension now. That card's not going to get revealed, therefore it's going to be worth zero, so why would I do that? That's why bots don't play into Dark Dimension um, until the end of the game. Uh, so it's things like that which make bots quite predictable, and if you're, if you're aware of these things and thinking about them, then you can use this to to gain an advantage over them. Well, this has all been very interesting. I mean, um, uh, like you say, I'd be interested to see uh, just how this changes over time because bots aren't going away, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they're never going to be like, oh, no bots, only human players, right? Because they need to fill in the gaps of either people that are off the charts and or just, uh, hey, there's nobody matching right now that kind of matches your, your rank, your collection level. We need to give you somewhere to play, right? Yeah. Um, I know they've said they kind of have a, uh, I want to say they have a goal of a matchmaking taking five seconds or less for all players, yeah. right? And so I think that probably plays a little bit into here of, hey, if there's not a player that kind of matches where you're at in the game uh, in those five seconds or, you know, give or take, then maybe you're more likely to get a bot, right? So sure. I think, you know, potentially for some people, the time of day you're playing, I'm not Absolutely. saying I know what that time is, but... Yeah. Um, definitely can affect this as well, the the amount of bots you play, right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, there are, yeah, that, that's one way to, uh, if you play at an unusual time, you do yep. see more bots. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I think the developers believe, and I have no reason to doubt them, that 
people are going to be playing less spots once this game properly launches because there's just going to be so many more players and it's going to be easier for the matchmaking algorithm to find a human uh for them to play against so i suspect this is just, this this problem of playing lots of bots is very much a closed beta problem right now which will just naturally go away um, yeah yeah but we will see i mean maybe we'll have to revisit this topic in the future because uh you know i, I that maybe is the developer's goal but you know it's yeah. still depending on how when what how you play right etc there may be ways to kind of uh i don't want to say cheese yourself but like Basically, you could maybe force uh, to play against bots a little bit more. Uh, I mean, like a really easy way to play against lots of bots is just to lose a lot of games because it happens at the other end of the scale too. People who have been yep. farming season pass XP also play a lot of bots. Um, so if you're very keen to, to play bots for some reason, that's a very easy way of doing it. Just, just lose a lot of games. Yeah, I know that uh, a few people we've had on the podcast before, uh, most notably, I think Carbon, uh, who's yeah. been very active, you know, in the Discord and stuff. I mean, he's done that since the beginning, since the first season. And, uh, you know, when it, he does that for the first few days, he'll finish the season pass, I want to say, in like two to three days, yeah. uh, all 50 <laughs> levels. And then, but then he then he tries to win, right? He's not like retreating. And, and they've tweaked this a little bit, but uh, it takes several days for him to kind of get back into a spot where he's matching against humans, right? Yeah. Uh, he has to win X amount of games to... Uh, kind of them say, okay, you can play against humans again. Um, so yeah, very interesting, very very nuanced in that way. Um, and Josh, what, what's your experience? Do you play a lot of bots, or are you mainly playing humans? What, um, what's your what's your rank? What's your collection level? Like? Yeah, so my collection level is sitting around I want to say 1,700, 1,800. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been a free to play player other than the season passes. Yeah. Um, so that that's where I'm sitting at now. I'm I'm missing about twenty eight, twenty nine cards uh, from pool three that I haven't unlocked yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have generally uh, I, I've said this before, so it's not that embarrassing. But I, I usually make it to about rank seventy. Uh, sure, yeah. that, that's the season passes. It's like I make it to seventy, I drop to forty, and then I make it back to seventy. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of like my minimum goals to make it back to 70. Uh, there's been times I've, I've pushed close to 80, really mm-hmm. close to the end of the season, but I haven't quite made it. Um, but honestly, the things we've talked about today, I think are going to be very helpful to me. Uh, and do, I mean, do you find you're playing lots of bots? Or are you playing? Uh, I, I feel playing? that, I, again, I haven't cr- uh, kept track of it as closely sure, sure. as you have, but I would say anecdotally that maybe uh, somewhere around 30%. 30 35 okay. percent yeah. of uh, what i'm playing is bots that that i've i've registered for sure right okay they they have the inked background or sure. uh the card um the upgraded cards right there's some of these things where i'm like okay yeah i mean this is i'm, I'm playing two or three bots in a row right yeah. uh but there's other times where it's uh i know it's human because either i recognize the player i've played them before uh i recognize their name uh, you know, or it's just very obvious because of pool three cards or something that they're doing that it's uh, a human. Um, I think I'm going to start to keep track of it a little more closely and see sure. how that changes over time because there probably have been times where I'm playing bots, but because I didn't know some of the things that you brought up, I, I wasn't registering it. So that number may be a little higher. Sure. Well, with uh, the spreadsheet I'm going to share, I've got a little tool where you can just join a game, type in the cards that you're seeing, and it will give a prediction of what other cards they're going to play, uh, which might help. 
No, yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, and I, I'm sure people are listening to this uh, saying, oh my gosh, I, I need to get that <laughs> right now ASAP. <laughs> so, because uh, I do know that we have a lot of listeners that are kind of in that top, you know, 5%, if you will, of playtime. Yeah, um, sure. And that are playing this a lot uh, and, um, you know, have go- made it to rank 100 and are playing lots of bots uh, in that way. So, um, one thing I'd love to ask you, uh, you know, first I'd, I'd love to ask you, you know, what's what's your favorite card and or what's your most played card uh, thus far in almost 100 days? Okay. Uh, right. The most played card is much easier to answer. Uh, it's Angela. I think I've played Angela in basically every deck ever. Uh, I mean, I mean uh, certainly like I would expect at least 6,000 of the 7,000 games I've played, probably, probably a bit more than that. Uh, because it's in, in most of the get, I've mainly played discard and swarmy decks, uh, and so I'm having no trouble filling the lane. So in most games, Angela's just a two seven, and at worst, like I'm, well, at worst she's a two one, and that's pretty terrible. Uh, but yeah, really, really powerful card that just fits into many, many decks that I like to play. Yeah. Uh, what is my favorite card? That is a good question. Oh. So probably my favourite card is a card that I don't have, which is uh, Mr. Negative. I just think it's a really uh, interesting way of flipping the game on its head. Uh, and uh, I think there's it changes a lot of the rules, a lot of the ways that you think about deck design. Yeah. No, definitely. Mr. Negative, I think, uh, obviously not everyone's favourite, but definitely one of those ones that I see often lots of people saying that it's one of their top cards or cards they want the most. Um, and I think it's just because uh, some cards are just great, you know, great cards to include, right? Uh, Bishop, Angela, right? I mean, that's something yeah. that a lot of people use in a lot of different decks. But I, I wouldn't say that a lot of people would say necessarily that Angela is their favorite card. Uh, similarly, it's just, a, it's a good card. Yeah. Uh, but there's some kind of build around cards where you can do very unique things, obviously, uh, uh, Mr. Negative being one of those. So, sure. I should also say that I'm a big uh, advocate of using some sort of location removal. Uh, so, at the minute, I'm mainly using Magic, but if you don't have that, I think Scarlet Witch is a, a brilliant card. Uh, yeah. And can uh, really uh, give you an advantage um, to just. Uh, play around you know you either can get rid of a, a location that really doesn't suit you but really you should be thinking uh, about uh, what might what locations might be advantaging your opponent and you can get rid of those so it, it's, a, it's a great sort of card. yeah i mean i unlocked magic a few weeks ago and at first i was trying to be uh you know the opposite of the main street so i said i'm not going to play with magic you know everybody's yeah. playing with magic and so i did that for a week or two and then I was like, okay, I'll start playing with magic. Oh man, I haven't like stopped playing with magic since I <laughs> since I started. So I've I've fallen into the to the mainstream, uh, same as everybody else, uh, playing a lot of magic. So I'm interested to see, uh, just you know, this this is kind of diverged from our conversation, but just interested yeah. to see where uh, magic and Mister Negative fall on the plane of you know being not touched or nerfed. Right, uh, I definitely don't think they're going to ever be buffed. Sure, um, uh, but but I know some people have some very strong feelings one way or the other. 
Uh, I mean, it's sort of noteworthy that the previous uh, version changes, which have done the, uh, the nerfs and the buffs, uh, they've really focused on pool one and pool two, right? And that's because these are the cards that everybody has, and these are the ones which people are seeing game after game after game. With Mr. Negative, my experience is I'm not seeing it every game. So it might be that second dinner just don't see it as a problem card yet, but that might change over time. Agreed. And, and that's kind of what I think as well. Again, I, what I always say is I don't have the data. I'm not a developer, right? So it's obviously just our, our experiences we have. But Mr. Negative, I mean, you know, people play Mr. Negative decks, but like it's like you say, I like maybe play a couple of times a day. Uh, yeah. There are other archetypes that I play much more and much more frequently against humans than, than Mr. Negative. So yes, it's a powerful card, but it's also a card that can kind of, uh, you know, uh, not play out well for you, right? Sure. Um, sure. And, and and if you don't draw it, I mean, if your whole deck's built around it, then, you know, you're yes. retreating yes. a lot of the time. So I mean, two months ago, there were a lot of terrible Mr. Negative decks. I mean, really fun decks, don't get me wrong, but decks from a... From a uh, trying to win perspective uh, were were pretty awful i think nowadays the mr Neg the modern mr negative builds are actually pretty powerful i think people are beginning to figure out like how and how to do it well yeah yeah so very interesting well uh i think that's about all the time we have for today uh agent carter i just wanted to say very appreciated uh that you're willing to kind of share your knowledge share your research you've obviously put a lot of time uh, into playing the game, but also analyzing the game and, and kind of quantifying the data for for a lot of people. So very helpful. Uh, really appreciate you being on. Um, with, before we go, I just love to give you a chance. Is there is there anything you'd like to give a shout out about? Whether that's a place people can follow you on social media, uh, a way you know they can follow some of your thoughts or conversations in the Discord. Any specific channels they can watch out for you in? Uh, so I mean, I guess I'm in the in the the main Discord. Uh, I have a Twitch channel. I'm not the most prolific Twitch streamer, but you can find me at Agent Carter Snap on Twitch, uh, where I tend to showcase a few uh, of my games against bots and, and show my show off my predictor tool. Uh, so I guess you can find me there occasionally. Awesome. Yeah. So everybody, make sure to go follow Agent Carter on Twitch. Uh, turn on that notification so when he does go live, uh, you can hear that, obviously. Uh, again, Agent Carter, just want to say thank you one more time for being oh, here. Oh, thank you for really having me. It's it. been an absolute pleasure. I have uh, followed this podcast since the very start. And uh, yeah, it's been very exciting to, to join you today. So thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Well, with that being said, uh, we're coming to the end of our episode. Listeners, as always, thank you for being here and supporting the podcast and listening. And we will catch you in the next episode. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening.